0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
3: breaking down every game every day in major league baseball. This is the baseball betting show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: welcome
1: to Buffy
4: Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now, part of the Vision Family and Podcast, we've got a tremendous podcast for you as we're going to be joined in segment number 2 by Matt Williams. He does great work over at the Game Day MLB and He does an amazing job taking a look at so many things as I know that he's been playing a lot of first five, he's been playing a lot of player props, and I know that he likes some unders for Sunday. So we're going to be taking a look at What goes into his equation that when he lays off of a total, when he decides to go under like he's going to be doing for quite a few games on Sunday and just how he's been utilizing bullpen data to be able to find some winners on the MLB board for this early season. It's going to be a great chat with him and it's not the Matt Williams that used to play for the San Francisco Giants, by the way. This is a man that instead is a star over there at the game day MLB. I knew that someone was probably going to be thinking that, so we're going to make that known right about now. but Matt Williams, very good name in baseball and there are many. Matt Williams doing great work, and the one that is joining me in segment number two certainly is, and in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis. On every game, on the betting board for this MLB Sunday, as we touch them all, if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore d1, keep letters, e-m. Maybe does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that 5 stars. Review did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball Friday night because I've got a little bit of cleanup on those games into Saturday. So let's take a look back at those, try to find some trends, in, and try to get to know these. Seems a little bit better.
1: A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy
4: recap. The New York Mets on Friday put up a 17 spot on the Oakland A's, 17 to six of final as the. Um, Oakland A's had 17 walks in this game. That ties, I believe, a modern-day record for walks in a nine-inning game. This was just absolutely terrible as James Kapirlian... He gave up six runs in three and two-thirds innings with his seven walks. You had six runs given up in a third of an inning by Hogan Harris. More like Hogan's Heroes was needed in this one. Church Familia, Spanish, for blown safe. He gives up four runs on four walks, one and a third innings. You did have one run surrendered in two and two-thirds innings by Chad Smith. He did an okay job. Sam Ball got you an out of the bullpen. And then you had two-thirds of an inning from backup catcher Carlos Perez as for the A's, they lose by 11 runs, despite the fact that Shay Langolaris goes deep off of Kodai Senga for his third home run season. You had Elamendi get his first home run season off of Senga. And then you had Brent Rooker get home run number four of the season off of Steven Negosich. And Negosic gives up one run in an inning. Senga, not necessarily the world's greatest start, giving up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. And then Dennis Santana, two and a third innings, giving up a run before John Curtis. Sable able to close things out. but nice, easy winner there. On Saturday, it was a little bit more hairy, but the Mets still got the job done by a count of 3-2, to two, as for the Mets, it was a pair of home runs with Mark Hanna going deep off of Shintaro Fujinami for his second home run season, and Fujinami allowed one to Pete Alonso, his seventh of the campaign, as it wasn't as bad of a start for Mr. Fujinami as he gives up three runs in six innings, giving up a pair of homers. Yeah, had given up 13 runs in his first two starts, so remarkably better there. And then the bullpen, Danny Amena, Zach Jackson, Trevor May, they were all able to supply a scoreless inning. And for the A's, one of 12 with men in scoring position as Carlos Carrasco. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen from there did their work. Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, they combined for two scoreless innings. Adam Onovino, David Robertson, they combined for two scoreless innings themselves one scoreless apiece. You did see the Chicago Cubs absolutely take it to the LA Dodgers on Friday by a count of 8-2 to as for the Cubs. They had five home runs in this one with Jan Gomes going deep twice. Four home runs, number two and three of the campaign. Patrick Wisdom, home run number four of the season. Ian Happ, number two of the season. And T. I. Suzuki fresh off the injured list. He gets his first home run of the campaign as Noah Thor Syndergaard. He gave up one of those. It wasn't a great performance, giving up three runs in six innings, but wasn't terrible. He got nine strikeouts. From there, it was Andre 3000 Jackson. They gave up four of those home runs in the final two innings, giving up five runs in two innings with Bruce Carter-Graderall, giving you a scoreless setting as Max Muncy got his sixth run season off of Justin Seal and the man of Seal did go one up to Chris Taylor his third of the season but for Seal very good start. Two runs surrendered over the course of seven innings. Both were solo home runs with Brad Boxberger. Michael Rucker being able to supply a scoreless inning. You did see the Texas Rangers on uh, Friday be able to get it done against the Houston Astros, 6-2 with Martin Perez looking solid. Gave up two runs over the course of five innings now. Did allow a pair of solo home runs. Martin Maladonado is first of the season and Jordan Alvarez is fourth, but Dane Dunning Will Smith they get jiggy with it combined for three scoreless settings as Jose Leclerc, a scoreless setting, and Adelise Garcia got his third of the campaign in terms of home runs. Going to off of Luis Garcia is really struggling to gain the season giving up five runs over the course of five innings. From there you did have scoreless innings out of Phil Meaton, Ryan Stanek, Seth Martinez. Now more for the Saturday games. You did see the Yankees get it done against the Minnesota Twins. This one by kind of six to one as for Minnesota. They just weren't able to get much off of Domingo Herman who strikes out 11 giving up one run in six and a third innings before Michael King was the king, two and two thirds innings, not allowing anything whatsoever. As Kyle Gashioka and Anthony Rizzo provided the power in this one, both getting home runs off of Tyler Molly for Rizzo, is fourth of the campaign, and Gashioka, his second as Molly. Gives up those two home runs, four runs, two of which were earned in four and a third innings, and been seeing quite a few unearned runs in recent days. This one, due to Tyler Molly's own fielding error, so that was not great. As Giovanni Morin, one and two thirds innings, scoreless at Oreo Cala, the DK Nation write-up pick of the under in the Guardians versus Nationals. Fortunately, unable to get through of now 9-6-1 for the season as the Guardians get it done 6-4. And this very nearly holds under if it wasn't for a Josh Bell double in the ninth inning and two under-runs in the first. As Zach Plesak, he gives up four runs, two of which were earned over the course of five innings. Wasn't too bad. It was really Jack Cool that... Lit this game on fire, giving up five runs in four and two-thirds innings, including home run to Jose Ramirez, his first home run of the campaign. Both bullpens relatively solid in this one. James check Emmanuel Clase, A. Both are able to deliver a scoreless inning as Daniel De Los Santos and Eli Morgan combined for two scoreless. And he had Thaddeus Ward give up one run in one and two-thirds innings for Washington, but... Erasmo Ramirez came in all down the fort, two and a third inning scoreless, and Anthony Banda was able to give you an out, out of the bullpen as well. This was a game where the under had no chance. The Boston Red Sox, they completely take it to the LA Angels by a count of 9-7 as the Angels got up 4 to nothing before the Red Sox could even get up to the plate, and, well, they made like your buddy at the bar and could not close, as Ryan Tepera gives up three runs, only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a pair of errors in the field as... Matt Theus did not have a good night buying the dish. He committed a pair of errors, and Tyler Anderson did not have a good night either, giving up six runs and four innings, including a pair of homers. Rafael Devers' seventh home run season. Yu Chang, his first home run of the campaign. From there, Matt Moore was able to give you two scoreless innings. Carlos Aceves, a scoreless inning, and he did have Tucker Davidson hit you up with an out on the bullpen, and for Boston, it was Nick Bavetta who got completely lit up, giving up a home run. Six runs in total over the course of four innings. H.G. Rochelle was able to get his first home run season. From there, a Red Sox bullpen that isn't very good actually did their job. John Schreiber, Richard Blyer, Kenley Jansen, Caleb Ort, all supply a squirrel inning, And then you did have, for Mr. Richard Blyer, one run surrendered over the course of an inning. The Miami Marlins were able to get it done in a low scoring affair. 3-2 to two against the Arizona Diamondbacks as Ryan Nelson for the sakes and another really nice start, giving up a solo run over the course of six innings as Garrett Hampson gets his first home run as a Miami Marlin, but Scott Magoo he blows it out there in the bullpen, giving up two runs in a third of an inning before Andrew Jafin gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen and Miguel Castro, and Squirrel inning. sending in for the Miami Marlins, you had Braxton Garrett deliver a relatively nice start. He goes five and two-thirds innings, giving up just one run, Matt Barnes. Gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Did allow a run along the way. And then you did have a squirrel setting out of Uskar Brazobin, and Tanner Scott with getting a pair of outs out of Andrew Nardi to be able to stem the tide. For the Philadelphia Phillies, it's now a 5-10 start to the season and just has been one thing after another for them as they have been all sorts of banged up and they lose 13-0 against the Cincinnati Reds. As for the Phillies, they leave nine men on base They go of 6 with men in scoring position. And just a piecemeal job in this one. As Matt Stram only able to make it two and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs, including a homer going deep. Will Myers twice, his first and second of the campaign. He would go deep off of Andrew Bellotti, who surrendered two runs in one and a third innings, including that home run. Matt Moore did not give you more, giving up three runs in an inning. Gregory Soto scoreless inning before Josh Harrison gives up. Five runs in an inning to just eat up that final bottom of the eighth inning while Graham Ashcraft, he was anything but a load of Ashcraft. Six scoreless innings, Buck Farmer, a scoreless inning, and got two scoreless out of Casey Legumina. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly, but he was able to come in and he was able to hold it down for the Cincinnati Reds. Currently the top under team in all of baseball is the St. Louis Cardinals this Total actually ended up as a push, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they get a, a big home run late from Andrew McCutcheon to get an extra innings, 6-3 to three W, as for Mr. McCutcheon, he goes deep in the 10th inning off of Jordan Hicks for a second home run in the campaign. Earlier in the game, Cabrion Ace, he got a leadoff home run to start off the game off of Steven Matz, his first as Matz not a bad start here, giving up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Chris Stran he was able to go two innings, giving up a run before Ryan Elsley. He gives you four outs out of the bullpen, but Hicks... He gives up three runs, two of which were earned in that 10th inning before Genesis Cabrera has to close it out. And for the Cardinals, they went just two of 13 with men in scoring position as Voronzi Contreras was able to lend six innings, was facing a lot of danger, but got out of it while giving up just two runs. Rob Zanoski, he was able to come in for a third of an inning, gave up a run. But from there, Colin Holderman, David Benard, Dory Moreta, all ended scoreless inning, and Robert Stevenson was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen to be able to get this one into the window. For the Milwaukee Brewers, not a day that they would like to remember. They lose to the San Diego Padres by a count of 10-3. to 3, As for the Brewers, he had a not-so-savory start out of Freddie Peralta, giving up five runs in five innings. And the Brewers entered in the day with the top bullpen area in the big leagues, Obi Milner. He put a dent into that as he gives up three runs over the course of an inning. As for the Padres, they got a pair of home runs out of Jake Cronenworth. He went deep off of Peralta for his second home run season and then off of Milner for his third home run. For the Brewers, he had Javi Guerra give up a run in a third of an inning. Gus Varland gives up an under-run in his two-thirds of an inning, and Joel Pai a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, Seth Lugo, not long for this game, giving up three runs in three and two-thirds innings, but they're a bullpen. You had a Brent Honeywell, Tim Hill, Domingo Tapia, Luis Garcia, all a scoreless inning, and Siva Wilson, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. The San Francisco Giants are the latest team to blow a three-plus run lead in the seventh inning or later. As for the Giants, they entered into the bottom of the eighth inning up by a kind of six-to three, and they lose seven to six in eleven innings. For the Giants, they go one of thirteen with men in scoring position. They were able to get a pair of home runs. JD Davis is fourth of the season, and Blake Subel was able to get his second of the campaign as both of those home runs they come off of Michael Lorenzo, who got just shelled. For the Detroit Tigers, giving up six runs and four innings, including those two jacks from there. You get three scoreless innings out of Tyler Holton. And then scoreless innings out of Jason Treve, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, and Trey Wingenter. Meanwhile, Carey Carpenter, he got home run number two of the season off of Anthony DiSclefani, who went to a relatively solid start for the Giants. He gives up three runs, only two of which were earned as he was hurt by a pair of errors by Brandon Crawford out in the field. But John Brebbia gives up three runs in a third of an inning in that eighth inning. Sean Helgele was able to give you a scoreless setting. And then you got two scoreless settings out of Tyler Rodgers before his brother Taylor gives up the unearned run in the 11th inning at Colisee San Francisco Giants. The game for the Chicago White Sox. They entered into Saturday with the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues, but the bullpen was able to do just enough to get them to the window. 7-6. They take down the Baltimore Orioles in 10 innings as Michael Kopech. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of homers going deep for Baltimore. Orde Mateo in third home run of the season. And Anthony Santander was dealing with a little bit of a back issue. He gets his first. And then from there, Keenan Middleton gives up a run in a third of an inning. Kendall Grayman, he gives up a run in in an inning as well, but he gets scoreless innings of Ronaldo Lopez and Tanner Banks. You get two-thirds of an inning scoreless out of Aaron Bummer, and then Jimmy Lambert gives up the under run in the 10th inning, while the White Sox, they rally for two in the 10th inning as they're able to get to Logan Gillespie, who did not record a single out in that 10th inning, giving up two runs, one of which was earned as Kyle Gibson. Did not put the bullpen in a great spot, giving up four runs in five and a third innings, including a home run to Jake Berger. Back-to-back days for a home run for him, third of the campaign. From there, the rest of the guys were doing a relatively solid job. Junior Cano, Brian Baker were both able to lend a scoreless inning. Danny Columbia gives up a run in his inning of work. And CNL Perez, pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. You would have the Toronto Blue Jays. Take it to the Rays once again. Rays are now thirteen and two. As it was five two, the Blue Jays are able to get it done. You had the wholesale approach for the Tampa Bay Rays. Kelvin Fodcher two and two thirds innings, giving up a one run. Both guy and Josh Fleming gives up two runs in three and a third innings, and then you did have two innings giving up two runs by Trevor Kelly. But for the Rays, the biggest part for this game was just not being able to it with men in scoring position. One of ten with men in scoring position. Taylor Walls does get his first home run of the season. That comes off of Yusei Kikuchi, but. Kikuchi's looking a bit more solid this year. Gives up just that solemn run over the course of six innings. Strikes out nine. From there, Eric Swanson, Jordan Romano, both lend a scoreless inning. Adam Simber does give up a run along the way, but the Blue Jays, they were able to get the job done in that one. The Atlanta Braves, they were able to take it to the Kansas City Royals, being able to get a very comfortable win in which this game goes over doing this in the top of the ninth with the game currently 9-3. to three. But Bryce Elder, another relatively solid start, giving up Three runs over the course of five and a third innings. Biggest hiccup that he's had all season long, but now Buck 53 ERA through three starts out of film. Dylan Lee, Nick Anderson, both lent a squirrel ascending in for the uh, Atlanta Braves. How about Sean Murphy having himself a day? He was able to get a three-run shot off of Chris with the Kate Bubich. His third arm run in the campaign for the Royals. Bubich, that well, was a Bubich trap for them, giving up five runs in five innings, including that bomb Ryan Yarbrough, two and a third innings, allowing four runs before Carlos Hernandez gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And then Scott Barlow was able to clean up that ninth inning. And then we saw West Coast Rarity on Saturday. A one-run win from the LA Dodgers. They get it by a kind count of two-to-one against the Chicago Cubs as both runs come in the ninth inning. James Tyon, very solid for the Cubs, going five scoreless innings, punching out seven. Mark Leiter Jr., scoreless innings. Keegan Thompson, two is scoreless as well, but... Michael Former gives up those two runs as the Cubs really didn't help him out too much. 0 of 8 with men in scoring position, Patrick Wisdom. One run of the game for the Cubs. His fifth home run of the campaign, that comes off of Michael Grove, who gave a really good start here for the LA Dodgers. One run surrendered hundred and five five and at two-thirds innings. From there, Alex Vesia, Shelby Miller, both give you a scoreless inning with Yancey Almonte, Caleb Ferguson, both being able to go two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but it was Mr. David Peralta who was able to come up with the RBI hit for the Dodgers. For the Dodgers, 119 regular season wins since the beginning of the 2022 campaign. Just their 17th win by one run. The uh, Seattle Mariners, they completely took it to the Colorado Rockies. 9-2 the final in this one as for Seattle. George Kirby was able to give a good start, giving up two runs and six out the third innings before Diego Castillo Squirrel is setting at Ben Murphy. Four punch outs while getting five outs. And it was Mr. Eugenio Suarez that was able to provide some fireworks. Second home run of the campaign comes off of Ryan Feltner. Another rough start. For Mr. Feldner giving up five runs in three and two-thirds innings. Brent Suter, four unearned runs, as there was a pretty bad error by Ezekiel Tovar at the shortstop spot. That really costed him. Connor Seabold, one and a third inning, scoreless, appears. Pierce Johnson, scoreless inning, but another rough go of it for the Carrad Rockies. And then the Houston Astros, they were able to get back on track. They take down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of 8-2, to two, as... John Gray, not long for this game. He was lifted due to injury, giving up one run and two innings. From there, Cole Reagans has to go four innings of long relief. Didn't do terrible. He gave up two runs. Things really went downward with Ian Kennedy, though. Giving up five runs, four of which were earned in a third of an inning before Josh Shorbidge was having to come in for one and two-thirds innings, going scoreless there. And for Houston, Hunter Brown, young guy. He's got a lot of potential. He was hurt by his own fielding error, but... 200 runs given up in 7 innings before Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero. They're both able to deliver a scoreless inning, and if you're looking at Major League Baseball right now, overs have been hot thus far this season. Overall, overs are inning at 55.5%, 117 overs to 94 unders, and along the way we have gotten, I believe now, 10 total pushes with regards to totals, and what has been a theme this year as well has been favorites not able to cover the run line. Favorites They are doing really well straight up 138 and 82 but We've now seen 31 games where the favorite has won outright, but they have won by just one run to be unable to cover the run line. And just over the last week, last seven days as a whole, favorites, they have had 19 of them win straight up because favorites are actually in this span of the last seven days, 63 and 32, but just 44 have covered the run line. So 19 one run wins for favorites and in the span of the last seven days, things have been a little bit more equal in terms of totals, but still, a little bit shaded to the over, 49 overs to 41 unders along the way. We've gotten a few pushes as well. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Saturday. Now let's take a look at some of Sunday's games and take a look how Matt Williams has been utilizing handicapping bullpens to his advantage. He does great work over at the Game Day MLB, and he joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family
5: Podcast.
3: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
4: we're back here, Love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by our guests as we've got Matt Williams. No, not the man that was a star for the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks for many years, but a man that is a star over at thegameday.com as He does an incredible job taking a look at the mob. He is their lead mob editor. Doing a good job taking a look at full games, taking a look at some first fives, taking a look at some player props. If you're able to bet on baseball, he is finding an angle to be able to extract that. I know that he does a lot of work just over there with places like Tout Wars and what have you as well. So he does just a little bit of everything when it comes to a great game of baseball and a man that you're able to follow. At Matt Williams, but on the last name Williams, instead of else, it is the number seven seven. So Matt WI seven seven, and then I-A-M-S, all together. And Matt, great to have you born. Thank you.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a very common name. (laughs) I could probably throw a rock and hit two other Matt Williams in my area. So you got to find a way to uh, make the name stand out there on Twitter. So uh, if you're doing betting, why not turn L's into lucky sevens? So that works out for me perfectly. And yeah, as Matt Williams goes, man, you know, if it wasn't for the strike back in the early 90s, uh, he was making a run at the home run title that year. He had like 40-something plus at the break.
4: Yep, and I still remember him best because we all remember the 2020 COVID pandemic. He was coaching, I believe that it was like the LG Tigers or something like that, that season as well. Might have been the Kia Tigers, but I remember him doing some coaching at the KBO as well. So a very well-rounded man in terms of baseball. And you are as well. I know that you do a little bit of everything for player props, the full games, the first fives. What have you, where have you really been able to take advantage of this higher scoring environment this year? Because we've been noticing a lot of things everything from the rule changes to speed up these pitchers a little bit more. Obviously, the shift has allowed for more bases. And to me, it just feels like the ball is a little bit more juice. But what have you been noticing has been most affected? By these rule changes, because I think that without a doubt, it's on the totals. But I feel like it's also having a big impact on player props as well. A lot of the
2: sportsbook, like everyone, we're we're rushing to or trying to catch up. Getting in early as soon as those lines are posted and then jumping on anything that is an obvious problem or an obvious mistake. To use the word mistake on their part, you want to kind of jump on those early in the season. Because like you said, the totals, God, they've been jumping over. But for me, it doesn't seem like it's just High scoring games, like that's not it. It's like high scoring innings. I'm not sure I've ever seen a season Obviously it's been warmer than it typically is We haven't had like snow outs or anything like That but I don't think I've ever seen so many like Five plus run innings it's been Insane especially on like Bad bullpens you have like easy Unders going over like in in a snap I know the other day the Cardinals like I don't know put up like nine runs in the last three Innings or something so that is one Thing I've been noticing as far as getting an angle I have been having a lot of luck With the first fives this year main reason I love doing them is you know you get the get the edge with like an underdog with a good pitcher on the mound they've been given out decent prices on like you know plus half runs you can cash out with like a tie after five innings so that's been okay but because of these big innings i'm talking about like the five plus run innings especially like where you can't trust certain bullpens uh, i love taking a look and taking some bullpens just out of the equation altogether and trying to bet on those first five whether it be uh, against a pitcher for a total or just on a team to, to to take advantage of just the starting pitching by itself. Because I think early on, especially with the stolen bases, how many people are taking advantage of that, which is obviously that is having a big impact on the scoring as well. I'm trying to eliminate as few as many unknowns as I can. That has been at least my way in the early going to attack it because, you know, we don't have a ton of information. We don't have a ton of you know, information that's kind of leveled out on this year's statistics, especially batting. So, yeah, early on, first five innings have been where I'd like to go because, yeah, the over-unders, man, <laughs> get toasted on. Not that I'm shying away. I mean, we'll talk about Sunday. I actually like like three unders, which I'm terrified about, but I like three unders. Yeah, so far, trying to get an early edge when the, the lines first come out. And then, uh, yeah, I've been attacking the first five just to try to eliminate as many variables as possible.
4: And I'm so glad that you mentioned the bullpens because I've noticed that there's been a really big divide this year between the bullpens that are good and the bullpens that have not. Like, Even though they traded away Josh Hader, the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen has actually been really good thus far this season. Mm -hmm. The Tampa Bay Rays, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They've been one of the best bullpens in the big leagues as far this season. A little bit of that might be due to the competition, but I mean the Rays have just been incredible despite the fact that they've lost two straight games. Are there certain teams that you might be willing to bet on their bullpen and then, like you were mentioning before, just once in certain spots that you're going to be willing to bet against when it comes to a little bit more of a full game sort of perspective? Because I do think that that is a big key with this as well because gauging some of these bullpens there are some that I do want to be banking on and to your point I'm looking at you the Chicago White Sox I've learned my lesson there
2: (laughs) yeah the other way as well I love going full game especially if I kind of like a matchup and they're facing a bullpen I don't trust certainly take advantage of that like you said there has been a big disparity so far there's plenty of bullpens I'll be willing to ride with but mostly I I, I do love attacking uh, the poor bullpens in full game that is something that I've found more advantageous so far rather than trusting pens, I've been attacking the bad ones for full game.
4: Absolutely. As we do have Matt Williams, who does a great job over at the Game Day MLB. He is joining me on the podcast. And Matt, I know you said a minute ago that there are three unders that you do like for Sunday. Mind if I go fish? Because I don't don't know which three that you like It was one of them, perhaps, this Rays versus Toronto Blue Jays game, because this is a total that really jumped out to me. It actually opened up at nine. It has fallen to eight and a half, and we all know the Tampa Bay Rays have had this magnificent start to the season. Going into yesterday, they were on pace average. I'm not even kidding here, like 400 home runs for the season, and... I'm going to call what it is. They're not going to hit 400 home runs this season. But you've got an 8.5 total right now with Alec Manoa and Shane McClanahan on the mound. Recognize that both of these offenses have been magnificent this season. But getting an 8.5 total with having McClanahan and Alec Manoa to me feels like a very good spot for an under.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually jumped on the nine as soon as it came out. Uh, you knew that was coming down. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it came down even further. Manoa didn't look his sharpest in spring for anyone who was paying attention, but he's still an incredible pitcher. Shane McClanahan has actually not been too sharp to start the season, but again, he's just starting to get going. I think that he turns in a very strong performance. I think, you know, everyone looks at these two games as dangerous as the two offenses are. I don't know what they're thinking really opening up at nine. I think, you know, just early season stuff. We've seen how Toronto has looked the last couple of games versus Tampa Bay, but yeah, I jumped on. The under nine, and that is certainly one of the ones that I was taking a look at immediately. So that is one of my three. Uh, McClanahan versus Manoa. I can't imagine seeing too many times where you have two aces like this lining up, where the uh, the total is that high. To be honest, so yeah, this was an easy jump, and even at eight and a half, sure, uh, that is that that is something I definitely would still ride with.
4: Yep, no question about it. That was one when you said that you like three hundreds. I'm like, I'm thinking that that is certainly one of them as. what are the other two that you are taking a look at? Because I always do think that it is interesting taking a look day in to day out with Major League Baseball because I feel like there are certain days for overs where you get like those four and five starters, but we are seeing on Sunday a lot of these ace pitchers, which is why I do think that you might be on a few more unders what are the other two that you are liking for this Sunday? The
2: yeah, second one kind of seems like a layup of sorts as well, but Arizona-Miami, it's Zach Gallon versus Sandy Alcantara. That opened up under seven. That's fantastic. I mean, both offenses have actually been okay versus righties. Arizona's been surprising. They actually lost their first series of the year today, which was you know interesting. They've been playing really well. Miami, a lot better than people expected. They're actually, I think, carrying like around a 115, one-run one craters plus against righties, but... You know, I'm not too worried. Overall, these are two offenses that are average at best, and most importantly, they're not really putting much power into the ball, like isolated power against righties. Miami's sitting at like a 137, and Arizona is sitting at like a 147, so I'm not uh, worried about there being those huge innings, like when Sandy got chased in his previous start. Gallon looked a lot sharper his last time out. He started off a little shaky in his first two, so I absolutely love the under here, and I also love the money line for Miami because it's a pretty evenly matched game, but Miami opened up as a minus 110. I, I took that because Sandy, you know, goes deep into games. That's what he does. If you have anyone who plays fantasy, he's not a strikeout pitcher. He's going to get you north of like 190 strikeouts just due to volume. His big calling card is volume. So I'm expecting him to last a little longer into the game. I don't really trust either bullpen and then the Marlins bats handle, right? He's a little bit better in Arizona. So I think Alcantara gets the edge there. So that's my second over under is Arizona, Miami with gallon and uh, Sandy.
4: Absolutely, and I agree with you there. I felt like even if this sold to reach a 6 half it really, really, really takes a good pitching matchup for me to like a 6 half under. That would be one where I'd probably be willing to dive in as well. Gallon had a rough first few starts of the season, but seeing seven scoreless against the Milwaukee Brewers, I'm willing to dive in once again. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Matt Williams. He does a great job over at the Game Day MLB, and then got to ask, which one is number three? Because from there, we do have, like, the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees that have a great pitching matchup with Garrett Cole and Pablo Lopez, but a total of seven at Yankee Stadium is always a big, giant roll of the dice. That's one where I couldn't necessarily advocate for an under. Where is number three at? Because I do think that a little bit of this one probably would have to do with ballpark conditions.
2: I uh, am not going to Yankee Stadium. (laughs) That's not where we're going. I actually (laughs) like Baltimore uh, White Sox, under eight and a half. You have Dylan Cease, don't really need to do much explaining on that end, uh, versus Greeson Rodriguez, who Despite having a brutal spring and a terrible first start in AAA, has actually looked pretty good since coming up, and he's facing a White Sox lineup that is struggling and is injured. I think Eloy Jimenez got injured again; it was a minor thing, but you know Tim Anderson's out. It's they're just having a really rough time g- going, and of course Dylan Cease is uh, you know has the ability to turn in amazing starts one after the other. Even his stat line from his previous start isn't as good as he was because he had some brutal defense behind him. I mean he could have turned in a much better outing that was even on the score sheet. So I. I think uh, Baltimore, Chicago, I'll take the under eight and a half. Uh, Dylan Cease. Well, obviously, I'll be counting on him to carry the bulk of, uh, of of that load. But I think Grayson Rodriguez can hold down the, the White Sox lineup that's a little banged up. You know, they're a little bit of a free swinging club, too. And he has, a, he has some good stuff that can definitely get people to swing and miss.
4: Absolutely. And I do like that look there. I'm going to be taking a look at the under because with Grayson Rodriguez, he has a problem with walks. Good news is the Chicago White Sox, they haven't seen a pitch that they don't want to swing at all season long. So that should be about them out a little bit as well to be able to keep that one under. So I like that look there. And I know that's something else that you do. You look at some full games, you look at some first five, you look at some player props as well. I'm not sure if you have anything for Sunday because typically these come out a little bit more towards the AM recording this or towards Saturday evening, right around five o'clock PM Pacific time. A lot of places don't have numbers out there. So it's very hard to speculate on that front. But what have been some of the player props that have been working out for you? Because these are offerings that have really become more and more expanded as East Coast books have been able to just pop up and have been able to offer quite a bit more in the last three or four years. I can tell you right now, out here in Las Vegas, I actually have fewer offerings than most folks out there in a state like New Jersey have in terms of player props. But what has really been working out for you? Because I would have to think that things like stolen bases with the New, uh- rules have been working out quite well, but I have to think that total bases as well has been something that has been able to offer quite a bit of profitability. My favorite are strikeouts for pitchers and total bases for hitters. Stolen bases is
2: interesting because it's been way up, but still, you know, the chances of there actually being one for a specific person is quite low, but you can get pretty good odds on that as well. So I've taken a shot here and there. I've actually done really well with like uh, Corbin Carroll, even Glaber Torres who surprised because you can get such amazing value. But then that's not like a full unit like you know, proposition for me. That's just like you know, taking a shot here or there, stolen bases, home runs, stuff like that are more fun. I don't know how much long term I like in there, but for strikeouts and total bases are definitely great, especially early season. Uh, books always put way too low numbers because you're coming out of spring training. They don't know how amped up pitchers can be. There's plenty of guys like Hunter Green, so on and so forth, can you know hit their over in, in two innings. <laughs> I think there was a start last year where he, I don't know he struck out like nine batters in three innings and he had like seven or eight earned runs or something he's amazing too but uh just to use him as an example uh kodai sanga a really solid pitcher to throw off for strikeout props nick lodolo has been really good but yeah overall that has been excellent one thing i do want to talk to you about it is patrick corbin day tomorrow yes <laughs> i didn't get to partake last time because the sports books have been really catching up i mean they've been making it hard but he's facing shane bieber you can get them you can get the run line for minus 130 not that i like to bet on the guardians offense Ah, uh, to give me those two runs but in this particular case Washington has like the worst lineup in baseball against right handers. I think their weighted runs pra- let me let me check here. I think they're one rated ones created plus if I'm not mistaken 54. That's not good. This is something I'll definitely be taking a shot on. And I just want to ask you in general like yeah, how do you approach those ones where it's almost become like a national holiday for betting cuz it's going to get to a point where they're going to overjuice these just because they know everyone's just jumping on it for the sake of it.
4: I think it depends upon who I'm betting on for that fade. Like, I actually took a shot on the Washington Nationals the last time they had Patrick Corbin on the mound. That's because they made Jose Suarez about a minus 260 favorite. And, I mean, Patrick Corbin stinks, but in what universe should Jose Suarez be a minus 260 favorite in the middle of April? That was one of those where I actually was willing to bet on the Washington Nationals. And typically when I get that sort of a price, I'm willing to take a shot on a bad pitcher. When you've got someone reliable like a Shane Bieber, I am going to be taking a look at the run line myself. So I think it's about banking on a good pitcher rather than just fading the really bad pitcher because I just don't want to be in a spot where if it's going to be like the Oakland A's maybe a little bit later on during the season, would you really be wanting to lay heavy chalk on like an Oakland A's starter pitcher? Probably not. So that's the way that I play some of those fades. I'm not sure what you think about that, but... I think it's banking on someone like a Shane Bieber like we're going to be getting on Sunday, not banking on Jose Suarez.
2: Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I couldn't find a price I liked on Suarez. I didn't jump in on Washington just because no matter what my numbers say, I just won't go I won't go there with Patrick Corbett. I won't do it. But yeah, it's amazing. You can get Bieber and the Guardians for minus one and a half on the run line. That's great. I'm sure that won't stick around long. I was all over the Mets uh, with Scherzer and Sears. And if you noticed, Scherzer was actually pulled It's now going to be Jose Buto on Sunday. Yes, sir. Yeah, Scherzer's going on Wednesday, so I think I'll stay away from that. (laughs) There's one thing I will do no matter what my math says is if there's too many question marks, I will just ignore it, uh, especially in the early seasons. I am a Mets fan, but I will be completely ignoring this game.
4: I do not blame you there, and I think that that's a good piece of advice. If you don't know what to do with the game, well, every single one of these teams, they play 162 of them. It's a 200-plus-day baseball season, so there's no shortage of action. The NHL and NBA playoffs are sorted up, so you've got a full menu that is available to you and a man that does a great job of being able to find where the value is in baseball is you, Matt. It was great to be able to get you on because this was your first time joining the podcast. I know that you do great work over at the Game Day MLB and certainly would like to extend the invitation to have you back on later on during the season because you do great work over there and I just want to give you the floor right now to let people know where they can get more of your work on social media and other platforms.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on everyone. You can chase me down on Twitter for the most part. That's where I hang out at uh, M-A-T-T-W-I 77 ims I always keep my DMs open. If you have any questions about baseball, fantasy baseball betting, shoot to my way. I'm always happy to talk baseball with you. Other than that, I do Best Bets over on thegameday.com Monday through Friday. and I always throw out uh, my picks out on the social media on the weekend. Yeah. And check out the general. We have a lot of great tools. Uh, we're building some really great uh, prop bet searching tools. So you can go in there and just type in a player name and find like every single, like, you know, you know, get the absolute best odds you possibly can. So uh, we're always trying to do the very best over there. We're always building new tools. So yeah, check out the dot day.com. Find my work there and uh, follow me on Twitter.
4: Yep. And as you can tell with hardworking people like Matt, that is a great resource for all sports bettors. Matt does an incredible job taking a look at so many things, whether you like first five, full games, player props. Matt does it. He's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to baseball, and it was great to be able to get those insights today on the podcast. A big thanks to Matt Williams of the Game Day MLB for joining me on the Baseball Benning Show, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast, to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting Board for this MLB
0: Sunday as we catch them all.
3: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: And we're back in Lovely Las Vegas, the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast was great to be able to get Matt Williams aboard. No, not the Matt Williams that used to play third base and was on the fringe of being in the Hall of Fame, but a man that he might someday be in the Hall of Fame for his sports betting, the way that he takes a look at things over at thegameday.com. Does a great job taking a look at some first fives, some full games, some player props. He checks all the boxes, does an incredible job taking a look at this game that we all know and love. And was his first time on the podcast? Hopefully it will not be the last because I thoroughly enjoyed that. Big thanks to Matt for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis. Another game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a
1: game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it
4: is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gnet 81. Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins playing host to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen is going to be going for the Snakes. And Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for Miami. Miami's between a minus-122 and a minus-130 favorite. And between plus-105 and plus-114 is your number on Arizona. Seven is the total over and under. anywhere between minus-105, minus-115, and... I didn't just set my total below seven. I was willing to take an under on six and a half in this one. I set my total at a 6.4. Sandy Alcantara got lit up like a Christmas tree against the Philadelphia Phillies, giving up nine runs in that one. But prior to that, first two starts of the season, 14 and two-thirds innings, gave up three runs, and he has been significantly better at home than he has been on the road the last two seasons. As a matter of fact, his road ERA is nearly double that of his home ERA the last two years of a 1.64. At home, last season gave up 8 home runs in 121 innings and faces off against an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that frankly doesn't have a lot of power. Christian Walker last year had 30-plus home runs, but you take a look past that and you're not going to find a lot of guys that can necessarily take a yard. Evan Longoria is having a nice year hitting a two eighty five. He's had multiple home runs. You've had Josh Ross really move the line, hitting a 3.90. that That'll be seeing a little bit of regression. Someone like Corbin Carroll is able to get on base, and it's been a good base steal this year, but not necessarily a lot of power. And really, the same goes for the Miami Marlins. You have seen some uh, life out of Oray Solaire. He was out of the fold yesterday, but overall, he's been able to do a really nice job giving the team four home runs. Luis Reyes has been sort of in and out of the fold the last few days as well. He pinched it yesterday, hitting a 5.11, which is incredible. But really, other than... Solaire along with Garrett Cooper, who he's currently hitting a little bit above a 300 last season. For Mr. Cooper, he was only able to give the team nine home runs, but I know that he's had 15-plus in his career. He really don't have a lot of power with this lineup either, and you just take a look at this Miami Marlins lineup. Once you really get outside of the six-hole hitter, Gene Segura, I do think, is going to be able to pick it up. But he, along with Asu Sanchez, Avicio Garcia... Garrett Hampson, Nick Fortes, you're able to go down the list of guys hitting below the middle line of 200 now. Both of these bullpens do have some shakiness, but both of these bullpens also do have signs of brightness as well. JT Jargoire has been solid, but he is going to be on the injured list. He is off for this one for the Miami Marlins, which does leave them with A.J. Puck, who I do like, who Scarborough but open. He's had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but he's okay. When you get into guys like Tanner Scott, Devin Smeltzer, those are the untrustworthy guys. And then for the years in the Diamondbacks, you've got Kyle Nelson, Andrew Chafin, pair of guys with a sub-3 ERA last year, picking up Miguel Castro. Is solid. When you get into Scott McGowan company, not so great. And it has been a little bit of a rough start to the season as well for Zach Allen. but I trust in Allen getting back to that good form, and I think we saw that in his last start. 7 scoreless settings against the Milwaukee Brewers and for Gallon last season, he was great on the road. 259 ERA, give it up 0.9 home runs per nine innings. Last year, he had right around about nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, was able to limit the walks. As far this season, even with the rough start, still just five walks in 17 and two-thirds innings, 21 strikeouts. Sandy Alcantara has never really been a strikeout guy. He just goes deep into games, and I do think that facing off against this Arizona lineup, he is going to be able to do so. I did set my total at 6.4. With both pitchers being dominant, and with this being a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of scoring, so take a look at the under end. I do think that Sandy bounces back after that rough start against the Philadelphia Phillies. I did set the money line at a minus 142. So I'm going to be taking a look at the money line of the Miami Marlins. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. 903, 904 on the betting board. It's the Philadelphia Phillies on the road. Facing up against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. And Cincinnati is on to Luis Sessa getting the start. And Aaron Supernola is going to look to be super for the Phillies. And the total on this game is 9 over and under. anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115 with Philadelphia. They are anywhere between a minus 175 to a minus 185 favorite, and between plus 155 and plus 170 on the Reds. If you're looking at a run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, that is currently at a minus 115, and I'd be willing to lay a minus 115 and really not a whole heck of a lot more on that run line. I did set my run line price at a minus 118, so I'm going to be willing to dive in there for the Philadelphia Phillies. I think that Aaron Nola is going to be able to give a relatively solid start in comparison to what we've been seeing. Here early on this season, he and Zach Wheeler have been struggling out of the gates. A 704 ERA for Aaron Nola across his first three starts, 15 in the third innings. The hits have just been really piling up on him as swing and miss stuff. It's been right around nine strikeouts per nine. That means you'd expect it to be a little bit higher than that. But I think much of the reason why Noah has struggled has been because he had to face off against the Texas Rangers and the New York Yankees on the road to begin the season. The Miami Marlins start, that was just relatively deplorable. But I do think that he's going to be able to find his form. We've seen the Phillies have slow starts in the past, and we're certainly seeing that. And we're seeing that especially with the Bats as well. as entering into yesterday. The Philadelphia Phillies were doing a good job moving the line, hitting at 285. That was actually the top mark in the National League, but it's a very top heavy 285 as you've got Trey Turner, Bryson Sott, Alec Bohm, Nick Cassianos all entering into yesterday, hitting at least a 308, but then you've got. Guys like a Josh Harrison, J.K. Cave, hitting below the middle line of a 200. Christian Pache, he's been able to reach base when he's been out there, but I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to be continuing on. Brandon Marsh has currently got a 425 on base. I think that we're going to see a little bit of regression there. And for Kyle Schwarber, four home runs thus far this season, not a guy that's doing an amazing job of being able to get on base himself. So I do have my question marks on that front. And then with regards to this Cincinnati Reds team, you don't have a single guy that really returns from last year that had north of twelve home runs, and that is a massive issue. As Jake Fraley is someone that was able to do a nice job there, and Jake Fraley has been able to do a good job of moving the line. You do have quite a few guys for the Cincinnati Reds that they get on base, like their leadoff man of Jonathan India hitting about a three hundred going into yesterday. I was mentioning Fraley hitting a three fourteen going into yesterday. All in all, though, for the Reds, you've got your top five or so guys like a Spencer Steer, T.J. Firdell, also hitting about a 300 or so. And then you've got guys like a Will Benson who started out the year one of 20, haven't been able to get a lot out of the catcher spot. Nick Zell when he's gotten opportunities, has that been terrific, Jose Barreto and company. And it's really been up to Mr. Jason Vossler to be able to supply power. Three home runs thus far this season, for the Reds, it's a very inconsistent bullpen in that you've got two really nice pieces. Fernando Cruz, along with Alexis. He has, they both had a sub-two ERA last season, but Buck Farmer, Ian throw in there someone like Derek Law. These are not guys holding down the 4 for the Philadelphia Phillies. A bottom-8 team with regards to their bullpen ERA. It's right through Dominguez after a rough start to the season. He's been able to pick it up, and I will say Jose Alvarado right now looks absolutely incredible as he has struck out the side in four out of the last five appearances that he has showed up in, so that's great, but... You've got Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen, and we all know what that means. That's not too terrific. They pick up Gregory Soto. He ends up in himself this far this season. And for Luis Sessa, he was able to put it together towards back half last season. You take a look at the 2022 campaign, and in the month of September into its last start of October, he had right around about a 3.75 or so ERA. Recognize that it's not amazing, but you know what? He was able to do an okay job. Being able to limit the walks to right around three walks per nine innings, his strikeout stuff has never necessarily been supreme, but it felt like he was really coming into his own, and as far this year, he's just been lit up in his first two starts. He's given up a combined seven runs over the course of nine innings, five walks, two home runs allowed, so that has been relatively rough. I do think that the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be able to get to him, but with this Reds lineup, just not a lot of pop in there. I do think that for the Philadelphia Phillies, they're sort of trying to mix and match at this point as well, I do think that for the Philadelphia Phillies, they are gonna be able to get the best of Mr. Nola in this spot after well, uh, yesterday things did not go their way as the Reds were able to put up 13 runs in that one. I do think that Nola is gonna be the stopper in this spot. So at a minus one fifteen, I'm willing to lay that run line. So if I tell it at 8.6, I think that calmness returns even this with this being in a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark. So here at a nine, looking at the under, and I'm looking at the run line of the Phillies at a five nine of six on the bidding board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis goes for the Cards, and Mitch Keller is on the bump for Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, in between a plus one fifty to a plus one fifty eight underdog, anywhere between minus one seventy to a minus one eighty. Your price on St. Louis in FZ total under is minus one fifteen, and the over is minus one hundred five. Needed at least a plus 158 to take a shot on the Buccos. Would like to see this get a little bit closer to a plus 160, but at current numbers, I'm going to be taking a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates on the money line. Miles Michael has just not been himself since he was an all-star last season. As a matter of fact, you take a look really since very late June on of last season, and he's got nearly a 5 ERA. Things have really elevated with him now. You know that with Miles Michaelis, he's not going to be giving up a lot of free passes over the last two years. His walks per nine rate, that's hovering in the neighborhood of two, but he just gives up contact upon contact. As far this season, he has a 10 5 ERA, giving up at least five runs in all three of his stars. He's coming off of giving up three home runs against Colorado Rockies now. That was at Coors Field at Elevation, so that has a little bit to do with it. And for Mitch Keller, he was really able to put it together towards the back half of last season. His second half of last year has numbers very similar to what we've seen in his first three stars. As far this year, at 3.57 ERA, he's got 22 strikeouts at 17 and two-thirds innings. Walks continue to be an issue with eight walks, but Mitch Keller has turned into a guy that you're able to rely upon to be able to get some strikeouts. He has given up three home runs thus far this season, and he is going up against the St. Louis Cardinals lineup that you've got a lot of guys here able to bat the ball. You haven't seen a lot of home run power out of Paul Goldschmidt along with Nolan Arenado to begin the season. A combined three home runs entering into yesterday, but both of those guys entered hitting north of a 325. Nolan Gorman, four home runs. He's sitting north of a 300. He's really the forgotten guy because we talk about these stud outfielders like Dylan Carlson, Alec Burleson, Tyler O'Neal, what have you, but he's been amazing. Jordan Walker had that great hit streak to begin the season. He's been able to do a good job for the team as well. And Brendan Donovan last year, hit about a 340 when he was at home for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's been really the Brian Reynolds show in terms of the offense. Entered into yesterday hitting north of a 300 with five home runs. Rest of the guys, they just need to find a way to move line. Andrew McCutcheon sitting above a 300. Got my question marks there. He's a little bit up there in age. Connor Joe is someone I always really liked. He's hitting above a three-iron, but then you get into Jax Wisniewski, G-Man Choi. You're able to throw in there the young guy, Jiwon Bay hitting a two twenty five or lower. And you do have your question marks there. They're dealing with an injury to Chase DeYoung in the bullpen. But I actually really like what I've seen out of Colin Olderman at sub-3 ERA or over the last two seasons, David Benner. He's able to hold down the half for the St. Louis Cardinals. You were noticing that Ryan Helsley was a little bit hit or miss towards back half last season. Seems like he's starting to find himself. Andre Palanti, though, has been too terrific in this bullpen as well. Just hard to really have faith in Miles Michaelis. I do like what I'm seeing out of Mitch Keller. The injury to O'Neal Cruz, no question that's going to be hurting this Pittsburgh Pirates team. But I think that they're going to be able to get to Miles Michaelis in this spot as everyone else has been able to thus far this season. I think that the Cardinals are going to be able to get theirs even though it is a middle of April day out there in St. Louis. Conditions are not to see so great. I do think that there's going to be free passes given up by Keller. Just a lot of contact to be had against Michaelis in general. So I did something I total at 9.1. I'm going to be looking at the over in this spot. And when it comes to the Buckos, a plus 159 or greater going to be willing to take a look at them on the money line. 907, 908 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers do playoffs to the Chicago Cubs as Drew Smiley looks to smile his way to a win for the Cubs and Julio Arias is on the bum. For the Dodgers and the Dodgers, they are a big favorite. anywhere between minus 220 to a minus 230. Anywhere between plus 195 and plus 210 is your number on the Cubs. In a a half of total, over and under. Anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. Currently finding that Dodgers run line at a minus 105, and that's a big bargain. I'm going to be willing to take them on the run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125. I'm always going to price Dodgers run lines at a little bit more of a generous number to be taking those rather than money lines, just because. Take a look at this Dodgers team; they have won 118 regular season games since the start of the 2022 season. 102 of those have been by two plus runs, and now you've got Julio Rios on the mound, who actually has a ERA that's about a half a point higher at home rather than on the road over the last two seasons, but has been really good regardless. As far as this season, he's lost just three runs over 18 innings, going six innings in every one of his starts, just two walks across those three starts. Swing and miss stuff is there, 20 punch outs. So uh, he has been absolutely amazing. And he's backed up by a Dodgers bullpen that was number one in the National League in terms of VRA last season. And it's not necessarily big name guys. Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia, Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips. These are all guys... That had a sub 3-3 ERA. They're now without Craig Kimbrough which helps And for the Cubs. That is a little bit of an ailment that you got with this team. You do have Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger in the bullpen, and Mark Leiter Jr. has been a guy that's been relatively okay, but when you're trusting in someone like an Ed Bear, Allsley, Michael Rucker, Julian Merriweather, that's not too terrific, and for the Cubs, they entered into this series in the bottom five in the big leagues in terms of home runs. Now, on Friday, I believe that they slugged out five of them. That was able to help them out. Patrick Wisdom entered into last night's game, having a four home runs, and even though you don't have a lot of home run power, you've got guys moving the line. Nico Horner, Ian Abt, Ainsley Swanson all entered into yesterday in north of a 340. Getting back C.A. Suzuki is tremendous. Cody Bellinger is starting to look a little bit more like the MVP guy of a few seasons ago. I don't think he's ever going to get there though. And then for the Dodgers you can tell that they've been missing Justin Turner. They've been missing Gavin Lux but this is still a good lineup. Mookie Betts had just two home runs hitting at 250 entering into yesterday. You know that he is going to be able to pick it up. Now the question is the bottom of the fold. Guys like Jason Award Miguel Roas, what have you but you've got Will Smith getting jiggy with it. James Oatman has been able to 280. He's been able to give the team three home runs. Max Muncy Looks like he's getting back into his old form. Six home runs in the first 14 games of the season. And for the Cubs, not a lot of faith here in Drew Smiley. Smiley has been able to do a nice job of not giving out free passes, but he is someone that when he does get hit, he gets hit very hard as he's given up thus far this season a 6.52 ERA across his 9 and 2 thirds innings and two starts allowing eight runs, seven of which are earned. And you go back to his 2022 campaign, guy just really couldn't pitch on the road. Giving up right around one and a half home runs for nine innings. Bonus at a 261 off of them for a 4.23 ERA. When he was away from Wrigley, I do think that Uli Rias is gonna be able to put the Cubs on lockdown. I think that the Dodgers are gonna be able to get some offense generated in this spot as well, but I trust in this Dodgers bullpen being able to keep this game under semi-toll at an 8.2. So here at an eight and a half, looking at the under to go along with that Dodgers run line. 909 on the betting board. The San Diego play playoffs to the Milwaukee Brewers as Wade Miley hopes to have a party out in San Diego for the Brewers, and you Darvish is on the bum for the Padres. And the Padres are between minus 170 and minus 175. Favorites between plus 148 and plus 158. year number on the Brew Crew, 7-half to 8 is the total on the 8-unders, minus 120. The overs even on the 7-half. Overs between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders between even and minus 105, and if you're looking at that Padres run line, you're finding it at a plus 120. Needed at least a plus 112 to consider that Padres run line, and I'm going to dive in on it. Wade Miley has actually looked very solid to begin the season. He's made two starts. He has been able to hold down the fort for the team, but as we know, Wade Miley very much a soft tosser, gives up a lot of contact, which means that this is not the world's worst ballpark for him. but I do think that the Padres, they're going to be able to build off the success that they had yesterday. They were able to put up 8-plus runs. That was a very good sign for a team that was really scuffling, and you still do have some guys that they just haven't been themselves. Like Juan Soto is not living up to the money that he's making. He's hitting a buck 82 thus far this season. I recognize that his on-base percentage is significantly better than that, but he doesn't necessarily hit a ton of home runs. It's been Xander Bogarts who's really been doing it for this team. He's hitting well north of a 350 right now. You do have guys at the bottom of the fold like Austin Nola, Matt Carpenter and company that are not holding up their end of the bargain. But you got some like an Jose Azucar who's able to move the line. Manny Machado he was able to get a home run early on during this series. Jay Cronenworth he had a pair of bombs yesterday, so you do like to see that. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they're hitting as a collective right around a, about a 290 at home with six runs per game on the road. It's been more like four runs per contest and hitting well below a 230. So. This team is very young, and home and road splits are a little bit of a concern for them right now. You do have guys like uh, Brian Anderson, Jesse Winker hitting above 275. Mark Brasso has been very solid for this team. Bryce Harang has been able to do a good job of moving the line, but we're seeing regression from someone like a Joey Weimer, and this is very much to be expected. Christian Yellich just has not been able to live up to that contract that he signed a few seasons ago. And for the Milwaukee Birds, they entered into yesterday number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And it's starting to go upward a little bit. They are still number one with this regard. And I do like this bullpen. You've got guys like a Hobie Milner who did get lit up a little bit yesterday along with Peter strazelski and Matt Bush. These are guys that have been able to do a nice job all season long. But they've had to mix and match a little bit with the Brandon Woodruff injury. You can sense that they're starting to get a little bit tired. I believe that they're on a stretch of playing 15 games in 15 days. Meanwhile, for the Padres, Josh Hader... That's someone that the Brewers would really love to have right now, but getting to him has been the, shall we say, challenge for this team. Steven Wilson has been able to do a nice job sub-3 ERA last season. Nobel Christmas. is someone that I like last season. He has not been himself thus far this season with north of a 9 ERA, Domingo Tapia, someone that you don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, but I do think that for the Padres, they are going to be able to get a tremendous start out of you, Darvish. I liked what I saw from him in the World Baseball Classic. was not such a savory start for him, Last time out, giving up five runs against the New York Metropolitans. But for you, Darvish, you do want to be gauging them much differently at home rather than on the road. In his two plus seasons with the San Diego Padres, he's got an ERA that is north of a point and a half lower when he is at home rather than when he is on the road. Much of it has to do with, well, Becco Park is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in which it is very hard to be able to hit home runs out of. So I do factor that in to the handicap in this spot. And I do think that for the Milwaukee birds are gonna have a little bit of a tough time getting to you Darvish in this spot. So I did set my total at 7.4. I'm going to be taking a look at the seven and a half under, and when it comes to the Padres, one we'll to Take them on the run line, getting a plus 120 needed at least a plus 112 there 9 11, 9 12. In the main board, the LA Dodgers they hit the road, they're going to be facing off against the Boston Red Sox. As you've got Garrett Woodlock, who's going to be going for the Sox, and Mr. Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels, and for the Angels. Find them in a relative pick-em game. You're going to be getting them as good as a plus 102, as bad as minus 110. Meanwhile, with the Boston Red Sox, they're anywhere between a minus 106 to a minus 112 with a total of 9. With the over, it is minus 120, and the under is even. And for Garrett Woodlock, I did set him as a minus 103 favorite. So we need to get to at least a plus 103 on the Angels. Currently, I'm seeing a plus 102, but this is going to be a spot where if the money continues to come in on the Boston Red Sox, and We're able to get more timelines because I'm doing this as we're getting very early openers. I would be willing to take a shot on the LA Angels. Pretty much whoever the underdog is, that's what I'm going to be taking. I've got this as a relative game myself, setting the Red Sox at a minus 103. And for Reed Detmers, he had that just absolutely amazing no-hitter towards the beginning part of the 2022 season. But when he really was able to take hold was when he went down to the minor league system because that no-hitter actually was probably not necessarily the world's greatest thing to happen to him because after that, he was getting completely shelled. He got just two strikeouts in that no-hitter. It was a very, very... Fortunate no-hitter. I think that I feel very safe in saying that. But you take a look at what happened after he came back up to the major league level. And he just became a completely different pitcher. From the start of July on, he made 13 starts. 3-0-4 ERA gave up just two home runs over the course of 71 innings. And his strikeouts per nine rate rose to just below 10. So. I do think that he is really starting to come to, into his own, and he's backed up by a bullpen that, I mean, we can poo-poo the Angels' bullpen, and I mean, is it really that great? No, but at the same time, if you look at the raw numbers, and the raw numbers itself, they were 11th in terms of ERA post-All-Star break last season. You do have a few guys there that will give you a few okay innings, like Jose Quiata is someone I do, like Carlos Estevez, Ryan Tepera, these guys are not necessarily so trustworthy, but... I think that Demers is going to do a good job of rolling them out. And then for Garrett Woodlock, I just don't understand why they're trotting him out there as a starter. He was really good in the bullpen when they had him as a starter last year, and he struggled. And in his first start of the year, he just did not look prepared. Gives up three home runs in that start against the Rays now. Everyone is giving up runs to the Tampa Bay Rays at this point. And for the Boston Red Sox, I mean, they were able to just really slug their way to a victory yesterday. You've got a lot of guys at the top of the fold that are doing their part. Alex Verdugo hitting above a 300, along with Remy El Tapia. Justin Turner, he is starting to find it. Rafael Devers has seven home runs. But you take a look at the entirety and the bottom of the fold has not been there for them. Tristan Casas. Coupled with Yu Chang, Kike Hernandez, Christian Arroyo, Connor Wong, all these guys earning below the Mendoza line of a 200. And for the Angels, they've got the far better lineup. Anthony Rendon has actually been able to get on base when he's not doing off-the-field shenanigans. You've got Joey Otani, Mike Trout, both of these guys hitting above a three and we all know the power that they both possess. On a Renfro's hitting above two seventy five with the trio of homers, you've had Giorgela Sheller doing a good job of being able to move line. So it's a very interesting circumstance because you've got a Red Sox team that they bring in Kenley Jansen as a closer and he had forty plus saves by a season, but anyone that has bet on a game that involves Kenley chance to try and close it out, you know that that's typically an adventure in and it of itself. Seeing this total get down to a 9, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over as a result. my total at a 9.3, and I think that this should be a relative pick-em game. I set the Red Sox as the slightest of slight favorites, and a minus 103 because they are at home, but if this continues to be a spot where we see the LA Angels as a slight underdog, pretty much any form of plus money, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the LA Angels to go along with this 9 over. 913 on the betting board, it is the Minnesota Twins in the road face off against the New York Yankees. As Garrett Cole goes for the Yanks, and Pablo Lopez goes for the Minnesota Twins. With the twins, you're gonna be getting them anywhere between a plus 135 to a plus 140. Meanwhile, the Yankees are between minus 148 and minus 155. 7 is your total. Overs between minus 110 and minus 115. Understanding between minus 105 and minus 110. And with the Yankees set them at a minus 152 on the money line. If you are taking a look at the run line, you're able to get a very juicy plus 145. I do not want to be chancing fate here. I did set the Yankees at a minus 152. Here at minus 148, I'm going to be willing to ride with the money line as the Minnesota Twins, they enter into this game with the top team ERA in the big leagues. The starting pitching has been terrific. The bullpen has been really good as well. Do not forget about these guys out there in the bullpen. Johan Duran is one of the more underrated guys in the big leagues throwing 100 plus miles per hour. Jorge Lopez, Jorge Alcala. These guys have been terrific. Giovanni Morin. If somebody I do like him for the New York Yankees, they do back up Garrett Cole with some relatively solid pieces. Clay Holmes, it just feels like he's broken at this point, but you've got Wani e. Peralta and Ron Medinacchio. Greg Wiser has really good stuff, has yet to be able to put it together, but has really good stuff. So there are some nice pieces there and Garrett Cole has been flat out dealing thus far this season giving up three runs in 19 and a third innings. He's always had a problem with the deep ball. As a matter of fact, I believe that he led American League starters in terms of home runs rendered last season, but he's done a much better job of that thus far this season, and the accuracy has really been there for him as well. As last year, he had fewer than two and a half walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez sometimes can get a little bit out of sorts, but thus far this season, just five walks over the course of 20 innings. That'll allow him to go deeper into games, which I think is very significant. Last year, he had more around 2.65 walks per nine innings throughout his career. He's been able to work on this more and more, and last season, what I thought was very intriguing while he was with the Miami Marlins, Marlins, they provide a very, very pitcher friendly ballpark. He had a 455 ERA at home, but a 3 ERA on the road. He gave up about 1.15 home runs per nine innings whenever he was away from home, but did a really good job of being able to limit contact in general. And I do think that for the Minnesota Twins, they are going to be able to get a good performance out of him once again. The big thing for the Minnesota Twins is that you don't necessarily have a bunch of guys that are going to go out there and hit a bunch of home runs. Joey Gallo. Had three home runs thus far this season, but he's now landed on the injured list for this team, which means that you've got mostly guys that are going to be moving the line for you, like a Trevor Larnage, Michael A. Taylor, guys like this, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do their part. Christian Vasquez, Donovan Solano, they've been terrific. They're hitting north of a 320 right now, but Carlos Correa has had a little bit of a slow start to the season. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, this team is an all-or-nothing lineup, as you've got so many guys that they're able to pump out the home runs, but they're going to give you a lot of strikeouts. Now, to the credit of John Carlos Stanton and Anthony Rizzo, after last season, both of these guys hit below a 230. They've been doing a much better job of moving the line this season. With Stanton hitting more around about a 270, you've got Rizzo hitting that fold of north of a 300. As we know, Aaron Judge, one of the most well rounded players in the game, hitting a 300 with five home runs entering into Saturday. And then, yeah, Franchi Cordero has been able to give you four home runs this season. After a tough start to the season, it seems as though Anthony Volpe is starting to find his form as well. So I do like the way that the Yankees have been able to move the line here at a seven. I do think that we went just a little bit too low because Garrett Cole is still prone to giving up a few home runs. And this is just a Yankees team that, in general, even though balls in. Yankee Stadium aren't going to be flying out as much in the month of April as, say, June, July, what have you. They still do have enough power to be able to muscle up a home run or two. Looks like it's going to be pretty fair conditions on Sunday. And I do think that they should be able to get a home run or two off of Pablo Lopez. Get a few deep balls to be able to get this total over. And I do think that Garrett Cole and this bullpen are going to be able to get it done. I did set the Yankees as a favorite of minus 152. Willing to take them on the money line. And with this total, going to be taking the seven over. This leads to the DK Nation write-up. 915, 916 on the betting board the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Red face-off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Shane McClannan is on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are very slight favorites, anywhere between minus 108 to minus 115, And between minus 105 to plus 102 is your number on Toronto. 8.5 is the total over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Total actually opened up at 9, and despite the move, I'm going to be willing to make my right up the under in this spot. You've got a good old situation of something's got to give. Tampa Bay Rays have been the top scoring offense in the league. These two teams teams—they have been the top teams in terms of batting average in the league. Tampa Bay Rays have also been the top team in terms of runs allowed in the league. And you've got a pair of teams in the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays that have a pair of all-star starters that are on the mound. Alec Manoa he has been amazing whenever he has pitched in Toronto. A career 2.53 ERA with 0.6 home runs per nine innings and 22 career starts north of the border. So, he has done an incredible job of holding teams down when he has been at home. Meanwhile, you've got Shane McClanahan, who's actually got a career ERA that's about 0.2 points lower when he is on the road rather than when he is at home. He had that injury that really derailed his Cy Young candidacy for last season, and he's come out. He's given up three runs over the course of three starts as far this the season. Walks are a little bit up, nine walks in 17 innings as far this season, but A little bit over 11 punch outs per 9 innings, and he's backed up by a raised bullpen that has been the best in the American League thus far this season in terms of ERA. Now, they had to really dive deep into it because they pretty much took the wholesale approach yesterday with guys like Josh Fleming and Kevin Kelly having to give some good innings, but you've got as a result, more of your trustworthy guys like Colin Pouchet, Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adams, on call, and ready to go in this one. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they're eighth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You've got Zach Pop, Tim we were able to do a nice job. I like what I've seen out of Yimi Garcia, Eric Swanson at a sub-2 ERA with the Seattle Mariners last year. Now, as we know, we've got some new ballpark dimensions in Toronto thus far this season that should lead to more powers and for the Blue Jays, they haven't necessarily yet a bunch of home runs thus far this season. They entered into the day on Saturday with 16 home runs over the course of their first 14 games. You'd expect that to be a little bit up, but I and the team entered into yesterday as well. Hitting a 285 is a collective thing. you got to figure that that's going to be going downward. As Matt Chapman is amazing, but hitting a 453, not necessarily sustainable. You've got Kevin Kiermeyer, a Bo Boba Shit, Flaggero Jr., all hitting at least a 333. I could see, but Shit and Flaggero Jr., once again having big seasons. Kevin Kiermeyer. Expecting a little bit of regression there. And heck, I do think that Brandon Belt, who's sitting below the Mendoza line of 200, is going to be able to pick it up. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they were 25th in the league in home runs last year. I think that they had like 132 home runs in 162 games last season. They had entering into the day on Saturday a grand total of 34 home runs. I'm sorry, but we are going to be seeing regression with this. And I really like the way that the Rays are putting things together. Brandon Lau coming back is magnificent. Randy and Wander Franco, these are a pair of guys that are going to be able to hit at 300+. plus. Both of these guys have solid power. I just don't think that the Tampa Bay Rays, who are on pace to hit like north of 350 home runs, are necessarily going to be doing quite that. Like, you've got Luke Raley right now who's got three home runs and is about a 325 on base. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. Cullen Card has always been pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I do think that this is a little bit overreactionary on Tampa Bay. I recognize that they went on that run of 13 straight games, now they've lost two in a row, and the money's coming in on them, but I do think that I hope Manoa is going to continue to be magnificent at home for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I do think that we're starting to see regression with this Rays offense, so I do think that Shane McClanahan is going to be amazing on the mound as well. Somebody told us 6.9, my right up here, that is going to be on the under. And with the Blue Jays being able to get them at right around even money slash a very, very small plus price in a few spots as well. I'm gonna be willing to ride with the Jays, set them at a minus one twenty four. On my right up here, that is gonna be on the under. 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Baltimore Orioles in the road phase off against the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Sox. And Grayson Rodriguez is on the bunk for Baltimore. And Baltimore, they are anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 122 underdog. And between minus 130 to minus 140 is your number on the White Sox. 8.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And with the White Sox, I did set them at a minus 167. I'm going to be one to ride with them. You've got one of the most dominant pitchers in all baseball. And Dylan Cease said... If there is trepidation with him, it is the fact that sometimes you can have him just get his pitch count up because he is someone that is going to give up right around 3.8, 3.9 walks per nine innings. and That leads to a bullpen of the White Sox that is currently dead last in the league in terms of ERA. When it's all said and done, I think that they're going to be much better than that, but they certainly are a far from impressive bunch. I do think that guys like Jimmy Lambert... Aaron Bummer, Ronaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, that all had a sub-3-5 ERA. They're going to be able to run into form, but it has been a really rough season for them. But getting back to Dylan Cease, this guy's just a strikeout machine last year. Had right around about 12 punch-outs per nine innings. He was absolutely masterful with a 2.20 ERA. Actually had a lower ERA when he was on the road rather than when he was at home. And for Grayson Rodriguez, I think the future for him is about two years from now. He has really good stuff, but at the same time, he's coming off of giving up five runs and four and a third innings at home against the Oakland A's. He's clearly got some command issues. We saw that at the minor league level on his first two starts. Five walks and nine in the third innings. He's been able to get 11 strikeouts, but he's sort of ricked the wild thing Vaughn at this point in his career. Now, good news is he's backed up by a lineup that is just absolutely ripping the cover off the ball. I believe that the Orioles have six plus runs in something like four out of their last five games. These guys are completely mashing as of right now. As Ryan Mountcastle had right, that nine RBI day. He's got six home runs to begin the season. Ellie Rushman, Austin, this A's kid, Ore Mateo, these guys are laying north of a three twenty five. Rushman had that big walk-off home run against the A's. Uh, about a few days ago. Cedric Mullins is off to a little bit of a rough start to the season in terms of average, but still giving you about a 350 on base along with Adam Frazier. So these guys have been magnificent, though I do think that we are going to see Dylan Cease do a solid job in this spot. And for the Chicago White Sox, don't necessarily have a lot of power with this team. Luis Robert, he's got five home runs to begin the season. He had a five out of the team's 14 home runs Entering into the day on Saturday, I do think that he is going to be regressing a little bit. And you don't necessarily have anyone other than him that's going to be able to give you a bunch of home runs other than Eli Jimenez, who's been dealing with injury. But you do have guys that are able to get on base. As entering into Saturday, Roberto, I mentioned before, Andrew Vaughn, Oscar Colas, Tim Anderson, yes, has Bonnie Grandel, Andrew Benatendi. Really, all these guys, other than Colas, were hitting at least a 275. So, they do a good job of being reach base. They entered into this series number three in the American League behind the Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays in terms of batting average. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they've really had to expend their bullpen a lot as well. I believe that this is day number 10 with a game for them. So, that's a bit of an issue. You've got Brian Baker, Logan Gillespie. I'm not necessarily too impressed by in the bullpen. Felix Batista is a terrific closer, and Danny Columbia, who they picked up from the Minnesota Twins, is something I do like, but they did lose Orde Lopez towards back half last season, this bullpen. You're seeing some big-time regression marks with them, so it is a circumstance where I do think that the Chicago White Sox are going to do a nice job of holding down the Baltimore Orioles. I did set my total at 7.6. I think that Dylan C's going to be able to do his part. I do think that Rodriguez is going to round into form a little bit as well, and this is actually a good matchup for him because I mentioned the walks issues of Rodriguez. The The one team that does not have any play discipline whatsoever right now is the Chicago White Sox. This is a circumstance where I saw my total at 7.6. I'm looking at the under, but with the White Sox, maybe more around a minus-165 favorite. If you are taking a look at them on the run line, you'd be able to get that anywhere between about a plus-143 to a plus-150. I'd rather play it safe with this bullpen, though, and take the money line rather than that and take a look at this little under. 919-920 on the many board. It is the Walker-Texas Rangers in the red off against the Houston Astros, as Frambois Valdez is going to be going for the Stroves, and Andrew Heaney is on the bum. For the Texas Rangers, 7.5 is your total, over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus minus one fifteen. with Houston. They are anywhere between minus 185 and minus 205 favorites. Anywhere between plus one seventy and plus one seventy-five is your number on the Texas Rangers. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Houston Astros, you're actually getting that at a plus one ten and When it came to the Astros, I was willing to lay up to a minus 110 on the run line. I set them more around a minus 173 on the money line. And with Romper Valdez, it's actually had an ERA that has been right around 0.7 points. Higher when he's been at home rather than when he's been on the road since the beginning of the 2022 season. But I do think that he's going to be able to do a better job in this ordeal than Andrew Heaney. Heaney, since the beginning of the 2022 season, has been masterful with the strikeout numbers. He's getting right around 12 and a half to 13 strikeouts for nine innings. But sorry, give it up two home runs and seven and two-thirds innings. As far as this season, began his season by giving up seven runs on eight outs in his first start of the campaign against the Baltimore Orioles. Looked a little bit better against the Kansas City Royals, but with Andrew Keeney, it's about as Jekyll and Hyatt as it gets with him and for Framber Valdez, despite the fact that he does give up quite a few walks. Last season, he did have north of three walks per nine innings. He does an incredible job of being able to keep guys on and just being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's given up one home run in 19 innings thus far this season. Last year, he gave up about a half home run. Per nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that last season was number one in the league in terms of ERA. I figured that there would be a little bit of regression with that as Seth Martinez, Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Hector Neris. All these guys had career years last year to be able to have a 2.80 ERA. I don't think that they're as bad as they've shown thus far as they entered into Saturday in the bottom half of the league in terms of bullpen ERA for the Astros you do have some main mashers in the middle of this lineup that are picking up the slack while Jose Otuve is away as Jordan Alvarez along with Kyle Tucker both have been incredible. They both entered into yesterday heading north of a two eighty-five, and both of these guys have been able to give you four-plus home runs. Mauricio Dubon has been a nice find, inning, well above a three-arm, but bottom of the fold for the team has been rough. Alex Bregman, he's got one of his patented slow Alex Bregman starts, but you've got Jake Myers, really the entirety of the catcher spot, that does need to do a little bit more for you. And for the Texas Rangers, they're currently without Corey Seager, guy that does a good job of being move the line, supplies some power, Marcus Simeon, Rough start to the season for him. Entered into yesterday at a 2.36 with just one home run. Adelis Garcia getting below a 2.25. Not a lot of power there. It's been really a lot of the younger guys like Jonah Haim along with Josh Young who have we'll been able to do a good job getting on base for the Texas Rangers, providing a little bit of power. And for the Texas Rangers, they did enter into Saturday in the top six in terms of bullpen ERA. They added Dane Dunning to the bullpen. He's been a nice find there. I like the way that Cole Raggins has come out of the bullpen. And then last season, Jonathan Hernandez, Jose Clerk, Brock Burke, they were all able to give you a, a sub-three bullpen ERA as well. So I do think that this is going to be a game where runs are going to be a little bit more out of premium. I think we've went a little bit too low with this total. It opened up at eight. Would have been willing to take an eight under. Now that we're at seven and a half, though, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. As I did set my total at some point in eight, I do think that the Astros are going to be able to get to Andrew Keeney, which is why I'm willing to trust in the Astros on the run line in the spot, especially with the Texas Rangers dealing with some injuries with their lineup. So I'm going to be taking a look at that Astros run line to go along with this total over on seven and a half nine twenty one nine twenty two on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are third face off against the Detroit Tigers. Matthew Boyd is going to be going for the Tigers, and Logan Webb is on the bump for. San Francisco and the Giants. Between minus 140 to minus 150 favorites. Any between plus 125 to plus 135 is your number on Detroit. Eight and a half is the total. Under is between minus 110 to minus 120. The overs any between even a minus 110. And with the Tigers, I did set them at a plus 164. If you're taking a look at the run line, of the San Francisco Giants, find that at a plus 115, I was willing to take pretty much even money or better. I'm going to be willing to ride with the run line. The Giants' bullpen has not been the same ever since Buster Posey left. It really took a fall off last season, and thus far this season, they're in the bottom five. In terms of bullpen ERA, but I do think that Logan Webb is going to help mitigate some of that bullpen, shall we say, volatility, as thus far this season, it's been rough for him. He's given up four runs in each out of his first three starts. Now, his last start against the Dodgers, only one of those runs was earned. He was badly hurt by his defense. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more in line for him in this one. He has never been some sort of amazing swing and miss, guys, thus far this season. That has been actually the exact opposite. 22 outs in 17 innings. He's come into his form a little bit more there, and last year, he was very good on the road. As a matter of fact, he had a 291 homey area compared to a 289 roadie rate, which is impressive considering how pitcher friendly San Francisco is. He did so while giving up about 0.9 home runs for 9 innings. Recognize that the Detroit Tigers late in the game yesterday were able to put up some runs, but this is still one of the most deplorable lineups they you're going to find in all of Major League Baseball. These guys currently have a combined 10 home runs in 14 games. Riley Green has done a solid job of be able to find a way on base. Since so he got called up to the big leagues last season, hitting right in the pocket of about at 250, but Miguel Cabrera is about 500 years old. He, Nick Baton, Javi Baez, Gary Carpenter, Spencer Torkelson, you're able to go down the list, they just aren't able to supply us everyone other than Cabrera sitting below a 220 and Cabrera's hitting a 233 and Cabrera just not a threat to be able to go yard at this point in his career. And you've got nobody on this Tigers team that has more than two home runs. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, they do a very good job of having the whole be greater than the sum of its parts. Right now, you do have JD Davis who's been able to give you four home runs, but it's all about having a lot of guys that currently have between two and three home runs, like Mikey Stramski, David VR Theryo Estrada, Michael Conforto. You're able to go down the list don't necessarily have a ton of guys hitting for average. Davis, Longferio, Estrada are currently hitting well north of a 325, but past that, just have a lot of guys that they situationally are able to get into one. They're able to give you some pop I was talking about the Giants' bullpen a little bit earlier. you do have a pair of guys that could be Odeval, Scott Alexander, that are relatively trustworthy. They have sub-3 ERAs. And then for the Detroit Tigers, the guys that were so good in this bullpen last year, like Joe Jimenez, Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto, they're not out of the fold. You've got Jose Cicerno, who was able to supply a sub at two fifty ERA last season. Alex Lang was okay in the bullpen, but having to rely upon Trey Wingenter. And company, that's a little bit of a roll of the dice. And for Matthew Boyd, he did not give a single start during the 2022 season. Hardly pitch at all with the Seattle Mariners thus far this season. He has not been great. He has not been terrible. And he is very prone to knocking himself out of games early as well as a command. It's all over the place. He's always been a good pitcher at being able to get swings and misses. But ever since really the back half of the 2019 season, has given up north of two home runs per nine innings as well. He is very prone to get taken yard. I do think that Logan Webb is going to be able to do his part. In this start, though, and for the Detroit Tigers, this is one of the Shall we say more crummy lineups in all baseball? I think that Logan Webb is going to be able to spin his Webb have the Tigers just be completely trapped there. So I did set my total at seven point eight. Looking at the under, I do think that for Webb, he's going to be able to go deep in this game. Help mitigate the use of the Giants bullpen. So looking at the run line of the Giants to go along with the total under nine twenty three, nine twenty four on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians they're going to face off against the Washington Nationals. It is Patrick Corbin, the old turkey tosser for Washington, and. Shane Bieber is trying to make believers out of those back in Cleveland. and is the total over and under both at minus 110 with Cleveland finding them anywhere between minus 222 to a minus 230. And between plus 185 and plus 205 is your number on Washington. But the real question is, what is the run line of the Cleveland Guardians right now? You're finding that in between a minus 135 to a minus 140. And for Cleveland, I set the minus 234 on the money line. And in terms of this run line, I set it at a minus 145. I am willing to take this run line—it has just been so bad for Patrick Corbin thus far this season. He has not been able to find it, and really, it's been the last three seasons for him. He's started out this year giving up three home runs in 14 innings, but what is more impressive than that? Because he gives up quite a few home runs, no doubt about it. Opponents were hitting north of a 300 off of him last season. Thus far this season, opponents are hitting like a 350 off of him. It's just absolutely ridiculous. As a matter of fact, a 375. He's doing this while supplying four walks. Burn-eye He's been a little bit better when he's been at home, but still has north of a five ERA over the last two seasons when he is at home. And now he has to go up against someone in Shane Bieber that this swing and miss stuff is not quite what it was a few seasons ago. When he was winning that Cy Young Award, it was of 12 punch-outs per nine innings. Thus far this season, just 14 strikeouts over the course of 19 innings. But even though he hasn't had that quadruple-A plus stuff, he knows how to use it as he's given up just five runs at his three starts thus far this season. That includes a start against the New York Yankees as he's been able to do a nice job of being able to limit the walks. And he's backed up by Cleveland Guardians bullpen that since the all-star break of 2022 is number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You did have to dive into it quite a bit yesterday with the way that Zach Plesak started out the game, but you've got Eli Morgan, Emmanuel Classe, Aniel de los Santos, Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin, all these guys They're able to supply a sub-3-3 ERA. And since the All-Star break of 2022, you've got a Washington Nationals bullpen that they rank ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. So you've been able to get some good innings out of guys like Hunter Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez... And Mason Thompson, though, both bullpens have been used quite a bit in this series, but just with the Washington Nationals, you don't have a lot of offense with this team. They entered into yesterday with, I believe, a combined six home runs, with Jameer Candelario being the only guy that has given you multiple home runs. And taking a look at the lineup for yesterday, you had uh, two guys sitting above at 250, and saw at bat in Lane Thomas and Victor Robles at the bottom of the fold. They've been able to move the line, but just haven't been able to get a lot out of anyone like a Luis Garcia, Alex Call. These guys have been horrible. And for the Cleveland Guardians last year, you had a lot of guys that did get on base for you, like Andre Jimenez, Will Brennan, Jose Ramirez, Ahmed Rosario, Stephen Kwan. All at at least a two seventy. They've been striking out a little bit more this season. It's been a bit better in this series, but you just don't have any home run power with them as the Guardians. They're currently dead last in the American League in terms of home run power. But that's why you've got the. Uh, if that you do in Patrick Corbin. I do think that Corbin is going to be able to keep the ball in the air, but I think that it's going to be death by a million cuts against them, and I do think that Shane Bieber is going to be able to completely light up this Washington Nationals team that's been really one of the worst offenses in all of baseball. So, despite the fact that we do have a rather big minus 135 to minus 140 run line, I'm going to be willing to lay it. Not willing to go really anything past a minus 140 in this ordeal as I set my run line at a minus 144, but I'm going to be willing to go in on the run line in this spot. When it comes to total, I did set it at 8.2 just because I don't think the Washington Nationals can hold up their end of the bargain. I think that the bullpen can rescue this under. So looking at the under and looking at the Guardians run line 925, 926 on the bidding board. It is the Atlanta Braves sitting the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Zach cranky is that going to be going for the Royals and Kyle Wright looks to be Mr. Wright for the Atlanta Braves and the Braves. They are anywhere between minus 152 and minus 165 favorites. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 143 is your number on the Royals with a total of 8.5 to 9 on the 9. Unders Minus 120, the overs even on the eight and a half, overs minus 120, and the unders even. And with the Braves, set the minus 156 on the money line. If you are taking a look at this run line, you're getting it anywhere between even money and plus 110. And I would rather lay the minus 155 right now. And if we do get a point where the Kansas City Royals would be more around a minus 110 to a minus 112, on their run line, getting a run and half. That's something I could possibly entertain as well. I'm personally in a little bit of wait-and-see mode right now since I said the Braves money line at a minus 156, but I current numbers, we'll be willing to lay between minus 152 to a minus 155 that I am seeing right now. With Kyle Wright, I just do have trepidation with him because his velocity is way down to start out the year. His minor league rehab starts to not go well, and then he gives up four runs in three innings against the Cincinnati Reds. Only reason why I've got the Atlanta Braves still as a pretty significant favorite is for one, the Braves they had the number one, number four bullpen in the big leagues last season in terms of VRA. You still have a lot of those good pieces like A.J. Minter, Jesse Chavez, Lucas Lukey, even though they're up there in years, and I could see them wearing down. Towards the back half of the season, it's still April. These guys are still relatively fresh and should be able to hold down the four. Heck, even Michael Tonkin, I believe that he came in in long relief to bail out Kyle Wright in his last start. He's someone that is of significance. And for the Atlanta Braves, this team led the National League in terms of home runs last season, and you still got a lot of firepower in the lineup. You two have your top four hitters. And Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Austin Riley, and Ronald Cunha Jr. from yesterday in terms of lineup. They're only above three are now. It is a very top-heavy lineup as Kevin Pilar, along with someone like an Ozzy Albies, Marcel Zuna, these guys do need to pick it up, but you do have an Atlanta Braves team that one through five slash six is about as fearsome as you're gonna get in all baseball. And they're going up against Kansas City Royals team that is right now really deplorable as Nathan Eaton, Nicky Lopez, Michael Massey, Hunter Dozier, MJ Melendez, Kyle Isbell. They're all in at 215 or lower. The Kansas City Royals are at the very minimum a bottom three lineup. In the big leagues, you still have Salvador Perez, who had that 48 home run season two seasons ago. It just looks like he's starting to get a little bit washed and old at this point at Alvarez, as they move the line along with Bobby Witt Jr., but that's about it for the Royals, and this is not a good Royals bullpen. They pick up our oldest a little bit of an upgrade from what they had last season. Scott Barlow is able to help you out as well, and Jose Cuas. Isn't terrible, but you are still expecting a lot more out of these guys. I'm very curious to see what Josh Seymour does after last year. He was just not good, to say the least. So this is a little bit of a horse apiece situation. And you've got a guy in Zach Greinke that I just think that he's doing for massive regression at home. You take a look at Zach Greinke and his home and road splits, and it's very stark. He has pitched since the beginning of the 2022 season at home. A grand total of I believe now 77 and a third innings allowing one home run. I mean that's just not sustainable for Bob Gibson let alone Zach Granke and Zach Granke gives up a lot of contact. Ever since returning to the Kansas City Royals his strikeouts per nine rate has been hovering somewhere in the neighborhood of about five and a half or so. He does a good job not allowing a lot of walks but he's going to give up a lot of contact to an Atlanta Braves team that is able to barrel him up. So this is a spot where I did set the Atlanta Braves minus 156 on the money line don't want to trust in the run line with Kyle Wright, but at current numbers, I'd be looking at the money line, and I am taking a look at this eight and a half over just because I do trust in the strength of this Atlanta Braves lineup. 927, 928 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's. They play us in the New York Mets. As VP Sears is going to be going for the A's, and you might notice a little bit of a Rooney here. It was looking like Matt Max Scherzer was going to be going, but Jose Buto is getting the start for the Mets, and DraftKings has an updated number with the Mets with Buto going. It is minus 190 on their money line, plus 160 on the Oakland A's. A and F is the C total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And with regards to the run line, currently I'm seeing the Mets at a minus 130 on the run line. And I'm going to be actually looking at the run line of the Oakland A's. Getting a run and half at plus 110. I would need at least a plus 170 to dive in on the Oakland A's money line. The Oakland A's have just been... Horrible to begin the year, to say the least. I don't necessarily want to bank on them winning this game outright just because they do have a bottom five bullpen in terms of ERA, and I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up, but I will say this, not having Domingo Acevedo in that bullpen I do think is currently hurting the Oakland A's. You do have a few guys like Sam Maul that have been able to do a solid job. Danny Amenta, Zach Jackson, these guys had a sub 3-5 ERA last season in the bullpen. AJ Puck being lost is a little bit rough, but out of all the starters for the Oakland A's, JP Sears is probably your most trustworthy. Hasn't been a great start to the year From Gave up three home runs in his first nine and two-thirds innings across two starts this season. But you take a look back at what he was able to do a season ago. He gave up about 1.1 home runs per nine and he says walks per nine rate. Hovering in the neighborhood about 2.7 to 2.8. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but someone that's able to keep things out in front of him. Playing in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in Oakland, though. It does play much less pitcher-friendly during the daytime rather than the nighttime, and it is going to be a daytime game. But we've also seen the Oakland needs to, be able to rise up a little bit more with their lineup. Now, much of that was just in that three games that they had against the Baltimore Orioles back three games of that series. They had six plus runs and every one of them, no doubt. You knew that there was going to be some regression there, but Brent Rooker has been able to give you four home runs. He was hitting north of a 300 going into yesterday. You've got a young outfielder and Asturio Ruiz, who's been hitting north of a 300 as well. So you've got a few signs of life. And then you do have your guys like your Tony Camp, Mendes Diaz and company that are just complete disasters currently up at the plate. But for the New York Mets, it's been a little bit of tough sledding for this lineup as well as if fact, Pete Alonso would be incredible for this team. Out of their first 14 home runs of the season, he has slugged out seven of them. Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, they're starting to get it together at the plate. They're inning north of a 275, but Mark Canna, Jeff McNeil, Daniel Vogelback, Eduardo Escobar, all these guys are inning below a 215 right now. The young catcher they're banking on, in Francisco Alvarez, he's going to be good soon. He's had a little bit of a rough go of it as well. And for the Mets, they do have the better bullpen in this ordeal to be able to back up Buto. That if you're taking a look at him, he got one start last season and he got destroyed in that one start, giving up seven runs in four innings. I think that it's very hard to put too much stock into that one, but you take a look at what he did in the minor league level last season. This was between Binghamton along with Syracuse. He had about a 3.56 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate was right around 9.5, but he does get a little bit loose right around 3.1, 3.2 walks per nine. And you see someone that I think is a nice developmental prospect, but I don't think that he's necessarily a great pitcher. He's an okay pitcher for AAA, and well, frankly, he's facing off against about a AAA or so lineup, so I don't think that he's going to be faring too terribly. I think that the Mets have a good chance to be able to win this game because they do have Adam Bonavino in the bullpen. They do still have David Robertson is going to be the best closer out there. Drew Smith is able to give you some good innings, but I don't want to be laying this sort of a number on a guy like Buto. So, being able to get plus 110 on getting a run and half with the Oakland A's is where I'm looking currently in this spot. Did set my told at an 8.1 because it is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, and it is an Oakland A's team that has a tough time of being able to just get on base in general. So, it's an ordeal where I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and I'm going to be taking a look at getting a run and half with the Oakland A's, 929-930 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Wrap things up as Luis Castillo goes for Seattle. Good old to be determined is on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Right now, DraftKings has a preliminary number of minus 260 on Seattle, plus 220 with the Rockies with a total of 7 overs, minus 20 in the under. Is even. And if you're looking at that Seattle run line, seeing that at a minus 120, I'm assuming Noah Davis is going to be the starter for the Rockies. And if we get this number with Noah Davis being the starter, I would be willing to lay that Mariners run line, set them minus 247 on the money line, and set them minus 130 on the run line. Luis Castillo, ever since he has gotten to Seattle, he has been magnificent being able to drop his walks per nine rate to about two and a half with being with the Seattle Mariners thus far this season, he has been darn near unhittable. 17 and two-thirds innings, giving up two earned runs, 17 strikeouts and just four walks. He has been amazing. And if you do get our good friend Noah Davis, it's a nice story. Him being able to make it up to the major league bubble, this is someone that just does not deserve a start whatsoever. And if it's not Noah Davis, it's someone else in the terrible minor league system of the Colorado Rockies that also doesn't deserve a start. I'm thinking it's going to be Noah Davis because it sounded like from the grapevine. Those that cover the team he was in line for it but he had a 541 ERA last season now he's in a little bit of a juice ball league but on top of that juice ball league are not four walks per nine innings at the minor league level. That's just not going to cut it and he's backed up by a bullpen that was dead last in the big leagues last year in terms of ERA. Jake Bird is not a guy that you want to be relying upon. I do like the pickup of Brad Hand he's been able to be consistent throughout his career. I actually like Pierce Johnson coming in. He completely lit that game on fire against the St. Louis Cardinals and has not been Seen since then, though, and then you got guys like a tie block that are probably going to be giving you some innings. That's not necessarily a place where you want to be in for the Seattle Mariners are currently dealing with the injury to Andres Munoz in this bullpen, but we still have a pair of guys in Paul Sewell, Pen Murphy. They provided a sub-3 ERA last season. Matt Brash has been a little bit out of sorts, but facing off against the Colorado Rockies team, that they've got such demonstrative home and road splits, they should be able to do a nice job for the Rockies. Last year, they led the big leagues in terms of runs per game at home. They were the only team in the big leagues that scored fewer than 3.4 runs per game on the road last season. That was 2.99. That shows you just how much worse they were than the rest of the league when they were on the road. CJ Cron has been able to supply you with four home runs this season, but hitting just a 230. You're noticing darn near everyone for the Colorado Rockies. It's about 50 points worse when they're on the road rather than when they are at home. And for the Seattle Manors, they were third worst in the big leagues in terms of batting average last season. And you need to get a little bit more out of some of your pickups. Tommy La Colton Wong, Teosco Hernandez. They have yet to really live up to their money, though. Hernandez, it feels like he's starting to pick things up. Last few seasons with the Blue Jays at 57 home runs, hitting at 279 for them. But Ty France, this guy has been incredible. Just one home run entering in the S A, but hitting a three fifty six. And Eugenio Suarez one home run in his first fifty seven at bats of the season. You know he's going to be able to pick it up. He's hitting nearly a three hundred. So even though the power numbers are down, he's moving the line. And Jared Kelnick had that like four hundred and eighty some odd foot shot in Wrigley a few days ago. He has been absolutely tremendous. He's finally living up to his billing. So if we do get our good friend Noah Davis or somewhat of that like for the Colorado Rockies, this is not going to change too much if instead they trot out there some other schlub from their AAA affiliate. It's a spot where I'd be willing to lay a right around about a minus 130 on this Mariners run line and somebody told us 7.4 just because I think Seattle's going to be able to do some nice damage on this Colorado Rockies team. So take a look at the 7 over and the run line of Seattle and that where I things up. For the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show now, part of the Visa Family Podcast, a big thanks to Matt Williams over there at the game day M. MLB for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JNR41. Keep in mind letters, the M, they mean, does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for yeah.
0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can miss events while supplies last, make every tap
4: music to your ears.